0: President Donald Trump has been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, specifically over his brokering of a peace agreement between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. This would see normalized relations, even tourism, and is considered to be a historic agreement. But Donald Trump has done more than just this. There's also an historic agreement between Kosovo and Serbia. And we just got the announcement that Donald Trump plans to reduce the amount of troops in Iraq and in the coming days will reduce the amount of troops in Afghanistan as well. The nomination comes from a Norwegian member of parliament who also referenced Donald Trump's actions with withdrawing troops from the Middle East. But of course, as you can all assume, the Democrats in the media will not even give Trump one good day. For one thing, as it pertains to Kosovo and Serbia, Richard Grinnell complained that almost no outlets were covering the story. And this is a major deal. And as it pertains to the Nobel Peace Prize, Well, most outlets denigrate the individual who nominated him, accuse him of being far right, which I guess maybe he is, but he's in Europe. So is that really far right? And many just drag the nomination saying, ah, he's not going to win anyway. And who cares? For me, I think these are fantastic moves made by the president. Peace is a good thing. And they are working towards more peace. And this is Donald Trump attempting to fulfill his promises of ending the endless wars Something he says he plans to do more in his second term. Well, I look forward to seeing more troops brought back from the Middle East. That was a mistake. Most people would agree, right? Yet for some reason, the Trump derangement syndrome—the people who hate Trump—will disagree with everything he does, no matter what. We recently saw a press conference with Joe Biden, where one of the questions asked of Biden actually it, it, it pessimistically viewed Donald Trump's actions. They they asked Biden. Are you concerned that more countries recognizing Israel could undermine Palestine's position? Why are you approaching this from a negative? It's simple. The narrative must be that Trump is bad by any means necessary. They cannot give him a single good day. I've actually talked to friends of mine. And when I've said Trump wants to pull our troops out of the Middle East and he plans to do so, they either say that's a bad idea since they've started reading neocons, I guess, or some actually just lie and say that's not true at all. It's Joe Biden who would do this when, in fact, it was Biden as a part of the Obama administration, which ramped up our foreign policy problems and started several new wars. I'm not sure if Donald Trump deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. I don't know enough about them, but I think the story deserves to be looked into. And if someone believes he does and they have the ability to nominate him, then so be it. Unfortunately, I could only find Fox News that gave us the straight read through of what's actually going on. So let's do this. Let's read what Trump has done that has warranted this nomination in terms of uh, Kosovo and Serbia, Israel and the United Arab Emirates and withdrawing our troops. And then I'll show you what the media's response is. Now, to be fair, while Donald Trump does have tremendous accolades under his belt at this point and accomplishments, he does seem to make his own problems. The Wall Street Journal editorial board pointed this out, that Trump will have these major successes, but then the way he speaks can wash them away. So we'll break this down. Let's get started with the first story from Fox News about Trump's nomination. Before we do, however, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give, but the best thing you can do, share this video. I don't have a big marketing department like CNN or MSNBC. I just have word of mouth. If you think this story is important, and you think I do a good job, then share this video because it really does help. And don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Let's read. Fox says, Trump nominated for Nobel Peace Prize by Norwegian official citing Israel UAE peace deal. Nomination was submitted by Christian Tybring Jeddah, a member of the Norwegian par- Parliament. They say exclusive just weeks after helping to broker peace between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. President Trump has been nominated for the 2021 Nobel Peace Prize. The nomination submitted by Christian Tybring Jeddah, a member of the Norwegian Parliament, lauded Trump for his efforts toward resolving protracted conflicts worldwide. Quote, for his merit, I think he has done more trying to create peace between nations than most other Peace Prize nominees, uh, says Jeddah, a four-term member of parliament who also serves as chairman of the Norwegian delegation to the NATO Parliamentary Assembly, told Fox News in an exclusive interview. Tybring Jetta in his nomination letter to the Nobel Committee, said the Trump administration has played a key role in the establishment of relations between Israel and the UAE. As it is expected, other Middle Eastern countries will follow in the footsteps of the UAE. This agreement could be a game changer that will turn the Middle East into a region of cooperation and prosperity, he wrote. And that's true. Many have said that now that you finally have at least one nation recognizing Israel as a nation, many others are expected to follow suit. This could potentially stabilize the region. I'm not going to pretend like this is the end-all be-all solution. There's going to be a lot of work that Trump will have to do with more countries. But even as part of his Kosovo-Serbia agreement, apparently this has huge ramifications for Israel as well, including the moving of an embassy to Jerusalem and the recognition of Israel as a country. Let's read more and we'll go to that in a second. Also cited in the letter was the president's key role in facilitating contact between conflicting parties, creating new dynamics in other protracted conflicts, such as the Kashmir border dispute between India and Pakistan, and the conflict between North and South Korea, as well as dealing with the nuclear capabilities of North Korea. Thai Bring Jeddah fur- uh, further praised Trump for withdrawing a large number of troops from the Middle East. Indeed, Trump has broken a 39-year-old streak of American presidents either starting a war or bringing the United States into an international armed conflict. The last president to avoid doing so was Peace Prize laureate Jimmy Carter, he wrote. This is not Trump's first nomination. As Bring Jetta submitted one along with another Norwegian official in 2018, following the U.S. president's Singapore summit with Kim Jong-un. Japan's prime minister reportedly did the same. Trump did not win. Bring Jetta, a member of, the, of a conservative-leaning populist party in Norway, told Fox News that his latest nomination is not about trying to curry favor with the U.S. president. Quote, I'm not a big Trump supporter, he said. The committee should look at the facts and judge him on the facts, not on the way he behaves sometimes. The people who have received the Peace Prize in recent years have done much less than Donald Trump. For example, Barack Obama did nothing. To be fair, I think Barack Obama was praised for going around and talking to a bunch of countries. Sure, I'm, he's critical of Obama, I guess. But I think, I think it's a bad move criticizing Obama on this one. Look, I, I get it. I criticize Obama all the time. The focus here should be on what, who Trump is, what he's done, and why he would deserve this award. Let's not drag other people. In fact, that's basically why the Wall Street Journal says sometimes Trump puts his own foot in his mouth. He may have a great success, but then he brings up other people he doesn't like for seemingly no reason, and it washes that away. I think that advice is apt here as well. They're going to say the 2009 Nobel Peace Prize was awarded to then-President Barack Obama for the Nobel Committee called his extraordinary efforts to strengthen international diplomacy and cooperation between peoples. That decision made just nine months into Obama's first term was met with criticism in the U.S., including from Donald Trump, then a private citizen. Lech Walesa, Poland's former president and a 1983 Nobel laureate, also said at the time it was too early to, to bestow the award on Obama, just 263 days after taking office. Too fast, the time being, Obama's just making proposals. But sometimes the Nobel Committee awards the prize to encourage responsible action. And maybe that's the case. I'm not going to drag Obama over this. I can drag him for a lot of things. But again, this is about what Trump is doing. They say even Obama was taken aback, saying at the time that he was surprised and humbled by the decision. To be honest, he said, I do not feel that I deserve to be in the company of so many of the transformative figures who have been honored by this prize, men and women, who've inspired me and inspired the entire world through their courageous pursuit of peace. Besides Obama, three other U.S. presidents have won the prize. Theodore Roosevelt in 1906 for having negotiated peace in the Russo-Japanese War, Woodrow Wilson in 1920 for being the leading architect of the League of Nations, and Jimmy Carter in 2002 for his decades of untiring effort to find peaceful solutions to international conflicts. The Nobel Peace Prize recipient is determined by a five-person Nobel committee, which is appointed by the Norwegian Parliament, The winner of the Peace Prize for 2021 will not be announced until October next year. Now, Donald Trump has taken a lot of actions that are considered to be excellent, historic, positive and peaceful. I want to show you a few other stories to exemplify why perhaps Trump does deserve a Nobel Peace Prize from Fox News. Trump oversees economic deal that includes Kosovo recognizing Israel, Serbia moving embassy to Jerusalem the European Union had mediated talks for more than a decade. Fox News reports President Trump on Friday oversaw the signing of an agreement between Serbia and Kosovo that normalizes economic relations between the two countries and also includes Kosovo recognizing Israel and Serbia agreeing to move its embassy to Jerusalem. The Belgrade Pristina deal was signed by their two leaders, Serbian President Aleksandr Vucic and Kosovo's Prime Minister Abdullah Hody in front of Trump in the Oval Office, with Trump describing it as a major breakthrough. Truly, it is historic, Trump said. I look forward to going to both countries in the not too distant future. The deal came just weeks after Trump announced an agreement had been reached between UAE and Israel on opening up relations between the two countries. The U.S. moved its embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem in 2018 after recognizing Jerusalem as its capital a year earlier and has urged countries to do the same. Until now, Kosovo, a mainly Muslim country, had not recognized Israel. Administration officials had met with leaders on Thursday, urging them to put aside their political differences in favor of closer economic ties. Kosovo had declared independence from Serbia in 2008, nine years after NATO conducted an airstrike campaign against Serbia in a bid to end the persecution of ethnic Albanians in Kosovo. While most Western nations have recognized Kosovo's independence, Serbia, Russia, and China have not, keeping tensions high in the Balkan region. National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien had said Thursday that the sides had made progress and talks had continued Friday morning. It it marks another diplomatic victory for the Trump administration. The European Union had been mediating talks for more than a decade. Serbia's Vucic praised Trump's role in brokering the deal. We haven't resolved all our problems, but this is a huge step forward. This is a great moment for the region, Hody said. The White House summit originally had been scheduled for June, but was scrapped after an international court indicted Kosovo uh, president Hashim Thaci who was to lead the Kosovo delegation on war crimes charges. So this is absolutely substantial. And now we're hearing Trump will reduce troops in Iraq to 3000 as Trump looks to fulfill campaign promise. This one was actually surprising to me because I thought we already had substantially less uh, uh, troops in Iraq, but apparently way more than I realized. I thought the number was only around a few hundred because we had mostly pulled our troops out. Not true. But in this case, I am absolutely excited to hear this. Now, before I read this, I got to point out, you know, I've had some conversations with conservatives and individuals who believe we should have a presence in Iraq and Afghanistan, mostly because there will be a humanitarian crisis if we leave. The people in these countries who helped the United States could be killed, particularly in Afghanistan. And the other issue is that a power vacuum may help create the rise of ISIS like groups. The problem, however, is all of that may be. But we can't just stay there forever. At a certain point, we may have to just rip the Band-Aid off as fast as possible, recognizing that there may be some you know, some problems that arise. We'll have to deal with those moving forward. I'm sure there are many other reasons people have for why they want us over there, main, mainly resources and strategic value. But I've never been in favor of intervention, especially when you realize much of what got us over there in the first place was just lies. It's about time we bring our troops back. And for this, I absolutely support Donald Trump's efforts in, in bringing these troops back. This is this to me is incredible. It's one of the things I've often complained about. I feel that the United States has so many people in this country complaining about what we should or shouldn't be doing with our own tax dollars, ignoring the fact that we spend a ridiculous sum of money to have a, a presence in these countries. Now, I'm not going to pretend like it's all the money in the world, but it's money nonetheless. How about we reallocate our taxes? Stop doing things like this. It's inefficient and focus on ways to work better at home. You know what? Trump seems to be doing that. It's actually kind of incredible. Politico reports the U.S. plans to cut the troop presence in Iraq from 5,200 to 3,000 by the end of September, as President Donald Trump seeks to fulfill a campaign promise to end America's endless wars. The withdrawal will bring the U.S. troop level in Iraq down to 3,000, said General Frank McKenzie, commander of U.S. Central Command. He announced the troop withdrawal during a ceremony for Operation Inherent Resolve the global coalition to defeat the Islamic State militants with Iraq's minister of defense. Trump has campaigned on ending America's wars and has reduced U.S. troop presence in Iraq, Afghanistan and Syria. The news also comes as Trump faces backlash over allegations that he called U.S. troops losers and suckers, and he trails his opponent, former Vice President Joe Biden, in the polls just weeks ahead of the presidential election. They couldn't help but jam that in. And I chose this story from Politico on purpose. Because you know what? The stories from Fox News are actually rather neutral on the issue. Perhaps it's because when somebody is going to be you know, telling a story or reporting news that's positive to Trump, there's no reason to bring up any negative information about him. So maybe Fox News is like, let's just report this straight. It's good for Trump. And then when they're reporting on Democrats, they do basically the same thing. For me, I tried looking up many of these stories and found that for the most part, only Fox News actually had accurate reporting keeping in mind that Google search is still an algorithm. This may be curated feeds for me. I want to highlight what I see when I looked for Trump Nobel. What do we have? The first story, Twitter explodes over Trump Nobel Peace Prize nomination. This is going to be glorious. They say CBS News, a far right politician. They say, uh, you know, here's the Fox News one. Trump and his aides push idea he's long overdue for Nobel Peace Prize from Politico. Then we have one from Market Watch saying now he has the same odds of uh, odds of winning as Bill Gates. Yeah. Many of these outlets and many individuals are trying to poison the well essentially so that the information you absorb is still framed in a negative light because this isn't a wildly positive thing. It's good. Peace agreements are great. Trump has just brokered two amazing peace agreements and he's going to bring our troops back. This is wonderful news absolutely wonderful news. He's working towards peace. No new wars. Man, I am happy. Can't everyone just be happy? It's either you get a bland, neutral. Trump was nominated today or you get the far right anti-immigrant, you know, skeptic politician. It's Europe. This doesn't even apply to the American perspective of what far right means, because who in Europe is far right? They're either like socialists who are OK with immigration or they're socialists who are like less immigration. So that's not really far. OK, I'm, I'm being I'm exaggerating a bit. They're actually not socialists, but they're very left in terms of social policy, taxation and government control. The only difference is one group says we should have better controlled immigration and less immigration. The other group says we should be you know, bringing in more refugees. That's not necessarily far right by American standards. And it's also interesting, too, because I don't think we, we even have the same level of anti-immigrant uh, sentiment in terms of our political parties, because Trump is pro-immigrant, just legal immigrant. And he said it all the time, whereas you actually do have political parties in Europe that say no more immigration and things like that. Anyway, the point is they're just trying to drag this guy. Look, I don't I don't you know, I don't know or whatever. It's Norway. Norway is a very, very left wing country. It's a Scandinavian country. It's heralded by the left as a socialist utopia, even though it's not. So you have Norwegians, uh, you know, nominating or Norwegian nominating uh, uh, Donald Trump. Again, he's been nominated in the past. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. I don't necessarily think he's going to win because, I don't know, that would be just, we. it'd be weird. Maybe he should, though. And that's why I highlighted these stories. I want to show you this tweet from Byron York I mentioned, I referenced uh, several days ago. He, he's talking about a Joe Biden press conference where he says many of the questions for Joe Biden after his remarks today consisted of reporters asking Biden to elaborate on how bad Trump is. A list. The 12th question is, would you support more Muslim countries normalizing relations with Israel, even though it might undermine Palestinian leverage for a two state solution? This is them framing what Trump has done in a negative light, giving Joe Biden an opportunity to counter Trump's accomplishments. I hate politics, man. I absolutely hate politics. You know, can we all just sit back and say, hey, good job, Trump. Really appreciate it. I'm glad to see that uh, we have some peace happening in the Middle East. I'll accept that. You know, I thought Obama was going to be the guy who was going to end this stuff. And it's just not true. Now Donald Trump's actually doing it because he cares more about uh, uh, upholding his promises than some kind of political or economic gain. He's like, I said I was going to do it. We need to do it. We're going to do it. And he's actually working on peace. I'm not convinced that the establishment and previous administrations want peace at all. You know, it's it's the old trope about the military industrial complex. There's money to be made. There's oil to be had. And here's Donald Trump saying, bring them on home. And it's the Democrats and Republicans together saying no to that. Well, I'm not I'm not interested. I want to see the troops back. But of course, let me show you some 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 examples on, on uh, what, what you can see when you search for Donald Trump and troops, for instance. While we have breaking news, Trump is bringing the troops back. Here we go. What's CNN? Trump visibly distressed over Atlantic story. Then you have Fox News talking about it. Then you have CNN once again dragging Donald Trump. OK, OK, <laughs> we get it. You Google search it. You're more likely to find mainstream media mocking Trump or insulting him or dragging him over quotes that it's hearsay with no on the record you know, confirmation. To me, it's just ridiculous. Here's Trump in Kosovo. In fact, many, many outlets are not even covering it. We we have, you know, <laughs> Slate magazine, Trump negotiates Serbia, uh, Serbia, Kosovo. That's largely about Israel. Donald Trump hopes for election boost from Kosovo, Serbia talks. Trump has a fix for Co- Kosovo. He's ignoring it. It's either Trump is trying to help himself or or this is really just Trump's pro-Israel play because, you know, many of these left wing groups are pro-Palestine, or they're just straight up saying that he's doing it wrong. Can we just be happy for once? No, I get it. I mean, I, I think it's fair to say to a certain degree that you can write op-eds and, and analyze and challenge what's going on. I'm doing it right now. But Richard Grinnell pointed out that, you know, in this, uh, uh, in this Hill op-ed, that actually, I'm not sure he pointed out on this op-ed. He pointed out on Twitter that he didn't, he couldn't even find mainstream outlets that were talking about why this was such a big deal and why it was important. And it's Trump derangement syndrome. The media today is, is basically predicated upon hating Donald Trump. It's really true. But when you go on YouTube, it's not the same. Now, listen, I don't rag on Donald Trump all day and night. I don't. I rag on Democrats for sure. Absolutely. my legitimate opinion based on what I'm reading and seeing. And I often try my hardest to back uh, up my 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 statements or actually play devil's advocate if I don't have the evidence and suggest there may be some benefit that, you know, some positive aspect for the Democrats. But you turn on the you turn on the TV and no matter what Trump does, it has to be bad. It has to be. Well, you know, to be honest, it's not all the media. Trump does deserve some criticism for this. Some people like the way he talks, but I've said it over and over again. I don't. Now I understand the opinion people have when they say things like, Why should I care if my president is a potty mouth, as long as he's effective? That's great. I, I I understand and respect. That's a good point. If Trump is doing the job, we should be happy with it. And I am. Withdraw those troops, bring them on home, man. I'm glad to hear it. Peace agreements. Woo, standing ovation, man, especially on the Israel stuff. That's incredible, incredible. Now please, tone it down. Tone it down. Look, what the Wall Street Journal points out in this article is that you know, Donald Trump was giving a speech on this on these amazing economic numbers over Labor Day weekend, but he couldn't help but go into, you know, go into this rant about other people criticizing Biden and John McCain. And once he does this, it wipes away the victory he had. Now, to be fair, you know, Joe Biden, of course, the Democrats are framing everything in a negative way, but don't give them fuel for this. The Wall Street Journal uh, uh, report editorial board states a Trump comeback. Biden wants to make the campaign a referendum on Trump. He's succeeding with Trump's help. They note specifically that Trump that let me read this. Mr. Trump has reinforced the intensity of his core support, but in doing so, he has shed support in the suburbs, especially among college educated voters and women. This has been the case in nearly every election since Mr. Trump's narrow victory in 2016. The Trump GOP is a smaller but more intensely loyal coalition. The GOP hope has been that this would change with Mr. Trump again on the ballot, and that millions of shy Trump supporters who refuse to talk to pollsters will vote like a new silent majority, perhaps. But there is little evidence of this so far. Mr. Trump has narrowed his deficit somewhat since the GOP convention, but he trails Mr. Biden in the polling averages in every battleground state. It seems unlikely Mr. Trump can win the nationwide popular vote. So he will have to eke out another victory in the Electoral College. Now, I think it's fair to say We, I I appreciate the assessment from the Wall Street Journal. I think it's very important that we entertain criticism; otherwise, you end up in a weakened position. But I gotta, I gotta push back and say, since Donald Trump got elected, cancel culture and has just become insanely worse, and the riots have been ridiculous. I could only imagine that it's worse today with people scared to speak up. Nate Silver tweeted something about how Joe Biden's actually the silent majority. You know why? He says. He's something about he's like, there's a contradiction where Trump supporters will put flags and signs everywhere while simultaneously arguing they're the silent majority. If anything, Joe Biden, not, you know, Joe Biden supporters not putting up signs shows that, in fact, with the polls, they are the true silent majority. It's not a contradiction. No, you're you're just you don't understand. Trump has a very vocal, loud base between 30 and 40 percent. They will never give him up. They will never let him down and they will never turn around and hurt him. But you also have a potential silent faction, a large group, maybe double digit percentage that pushes Trump's base over 50%. That's the idea. The silent majority are the, the, the bulk of Trump supporters who are scared to speak up because they will be attacked and they will be canceled. Many of these people live in rural er areas, I'm sorry, live in urban areas or they live in suburban areas. And they're concerned if they put put up a Trump flag, someone's going to come to their house and steal it or attack them or their kids are going to get in trouble at school. People are going to yell at them. So they stay quiet. Obviously, in Trump country, they can put up, you know, flags and signs all over the place and run around waving their flags. But in front of their homes, what about when journalists call? Of course not. But But that being said, And to be fair, I will highlight this. They say, take Mr. Trump's Labor Day press conference, which was intended to play off the strong August jobs report to drive the theme of economic recovery. Mr. Trump started out on message by citing the facts, but soon he was careening from grievance to attack or anything that just popped into his head. In the first quote, they say, where is Hunter? Where is Hunter? I call him. Where is Hunter? Walked away with one and a half billion dollars to manage, even though he never did that before. And Biden is a stupid person. You know that? I was never a fan of John McCain because he wanted the endless wars, and I didn't. They spotted my campaign, and if they were Democrats, they would have been in jail. The next quote, and the dirtiest fight of all is the issuance of 80 million ballots. Then there's the, I watched Kamala's polls drop to fit from 15% to zero. They say, this tower of babbling is entertaining in its Trumpian way, but his economic point was washed away like an irrelevance. The press barely reported it. Now, to be fair, the press is not going to report things for Trump anyway. I absolutely respect the Wall Street Journal Wall Street Journal's editorial board's criticism of Trump. And I think I have said this over and over again. Trump's got to tone it down. To be fair, he did tone it down a bit. There was that thing, the speech he was giving where he was like, I'm not going to call her a name. They're going to get mad at me. And I'm like, thank you. That's very presidential, sort of. You shouldn't have to say it, but I can respect it. Listen, I want to want to vote for Trump. You know what I mean? I want to be able to enthusiastically say this guy is going to end the wars. He's going to bring our troops home. He's negotiating his peace agreements. He should win the Nobel Peace Prize. I can say many of these things, but I can't say that Trump has a a behavior that is becoming of a president. You can disagree with me. I'm absolutely okay with that. And I've heard the arguments that, you know, if Trump is effective, why does it matter? It matters in the sense that there are a lot of low information voters. And in order to actually succeed and get these great things that are being dangled in front of us, Trump needs to to be a bit more tactful in his rhetoric and how he communicates. It is about strategy. Trump has always been a blunt instrument. He comes at you whack right in the face. Here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. That guy's a fat pig. Don't care about him. We're getting it done. And to an extent, I can actually respect this. No BS, just straight to the point. And Trump's been wrong a lot. And Trump has lied in the past. All I know is I would like to see our troops brought home. We should not be in the Middle East for 20 years. That's ridiculous, especially off of lies from the mainstream media. And in order to get that, we're going to need a president who knows how to navigate the treacherous waters of the smears. Now, I think Trump knows very well how to play the press. But at a certain point, it becomes a tsunami. We'll see if Trump can actually win. In the electoral college. And 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 I'll say this, man, you know what? I could be completely wrong. Perhaps Donald Trump knows what he's doing. And I I believe it. I I would be willing to believe it. Absolutely. On the surface, I can't help but wonder if he could do better. But to be fair, I think maybe he just understands many Americans better than the media or even people like me realize. Because I'll be honest with you, I am I am a liberal. I've always been. They want to say I'm a conservative. No, I'm not. They're just crazy. My policy positions are still liberal. I'm still in favor of regulating massive corporations. All of these things are traditional liberal. So I view Trump and I say, hey, I don't like what he's doing. But maybe the people he needs to vote for him do like what he's doing. And maybe it'll work for him. Because I'll tell you what, just because Donald Trump says naughty words and just because he's kind of abrasive, to to, to, to put it mildly, I'm still going to vote for the guy for for two big reasons. Well, I mean, first of all, these are all really big. These are three big reasons. I mean, this is fantastic. These peace deals are, are wonderful. The the withdrawing of our troops is amazing. And the banning of critical race theory. That's really, really important. I'll take these. It's not even an issue of voting for the lesser of two evils. I wouldn't do it. I'm actually like, yeah, I kind of like these things. I want them to be done. There's not enough negative stuff I see Trump doing to make me be like, whoa, that's really bad, to be completely honest. And there are things that I don't like that Trump does. But this is huge. Okay, everything else outside of this foreign policy stuff to me is is on the back burner. I'll say I'll say it like that. Right. I think this is one of our most pressing issues. I am I am big on foreign policy. I've traveled around the world. And I think for a lot of reasons, we need to bring our troops home and focus on our country. And I am not so much of a, a nationalist as many Trump supporters. I think we need to have international agreements and relations and things like this. And perhaps Trump could do way better in that regard. In terms of the Middle East peace agreements, man, hitting out of the park. We'll see if he wins. I don't think he will. I mean, it's probably just being hopeful, but uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash TimCastNews. It is a different channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. The political ramifications cometh with the 103rd night of riots ongoing across this country, mostly in Portland, to be fair. And yes, still, last night there was rioting. And there's one really funny thing about the story that, uh, that was written by the local news is that the police made an announcement saying, you know, like, please protest peacefully and like without the use of fire or whatever. And I thought it was really funny that we've come to a point where the riots have been so violent that we're like, hey, this time don't use the Molotovs. OK, you know, do your thing. Right. It's it's all been normalized. Well, now we're starting to see politi- political ramifications. So I'll, I'll briefly go over what we what we're seeing across this country, because we had Portland riots last night and it's it's I'll call it unrest because there really is a fine line and it's arguably not the same as a riot. You know, like riots tend to be a bit more chaotic. And I think unrest is probably a better word because last night, I'm not I'm not entirely sure if they ran around Portland destroying stuff, but they were throwing stuff. I'm pretty sure they were starting fires and all that. And they ended up um, I believe they made some arrests. But we saw similar things happening in Los Angeles because another individual, I guess, was killed by police. Well, now you see what happened in Rochester, right? This man who was uh, earlier in the year, ha- was visiting from Chicago. Something happened where he was kind of, you know, just out of it, attacking people, something like that. And the cops put a spit hood on him, He ended up dying. And now the video released, which has sparked more protests and rioting in Rochester. Where, that's where the video where we saw the people dancing on the roof of someone's home. Now, I will issue a quick uh, a correction and clarification. I had tweeted out and mentioned That there are people trying to break into an apartment building. Turns out that was a parking garage, and that's my fault. I I need to do way better in fact checking this. But you know that was a tweet that was being shared. Regardless, uh, you know I accept responsibility for that mistake and I apologize. But what we're seeing is yes, when somebody get when when the police do anything that results in any kind of force, typically against someone who's you know black or a minority, people are going to start. They're going to use it as an excuse. So, you know, the other night I was talking with Robbie Suave of, of Reason, and he was saying a lot of what we're seeing is just opportunistic criminals. And I think he's actually correct. That's true. There was a video. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying most, me personally, but there's a video of people going to a toy shop. I think it was in Portland and just stealing stuff like during the riots. And of course, you saw Chicago. That was all opportunism. They're like, oh, hey, you know, a cop shot a guy. Oh, no, no, we're protesting. And then they went around smashing up stores, shoot, shooting bullets at windows, trying to steal stuff. There are going to be political ramifications for this, notably in Rochester, where they just lost the entire command structure of their police department. Now, this I don't necessarily think is related. I think this is a clever move to try and make sure they get out of the department before it results in some kind of uh, political political attack on their character and a threat to their pensions. If they end up getting suspended or they end up getting fired, it's preemptive. You know what? We quit. Give us our money. Smarter move, in my opinion. And what are the activists going to say? Maybe they'll come after him later, but maybe these guys can now leave. Now, here's where it gets really fascinating. The mayor of Portland has a lower favorability than Donald Trump by like half. So his favorability is like 26 percent. Trump's is like in the 40s, you know, so around half. Uh, To to be fair, the, uh, the favorability of Trump in Portland is probably on par with or lower than, but just in terms of the constituency of the politicians, I think it's hilarious to see that there's a decent amount of people in this country who just love Trump. Mayor Ted Wheeler, everybody basically hates the guy. So now there are obviously more calls for his resignation and a poll showing Portlanders are ready to say, GTFO, dude, if you can't handle these these issues, then you shouldn't be in leadership. But the main the main gist of what I'm trying to bring up in this segment is I'm actually worried seeing the story about the Rochester police and entire command staff stepping down. That scares me because it shows you that the aimless and violent mob is actually tearing down the system. And they're happy about it. And I'm sure a lot of lot of leftists who, you know, for some reason, watch my videos. They do are probably like laughing and cheering like, yeah, we're tearing it down. See, they wanted to fund the police. They they, want to vote to abolish the police, disband the police in many areas. Now, it's not really working out as they planned over in Minneapolis. Apparently it's stagnated because nobody knows exactly what it's going, what they're going to do and what it looks like. So it's just jammed up. And then you have in uh, Seattle, they did defund the police, but it was like a small percentage. I really feel like the, the, the Democrat elites are pretending to entertain this stuff pretending to support it, but they're actually going like, OK, guys, like, when are we going to stop? Because we like money and we like government programs. Well, sure enough, now you actually have Democrats, not not the, the establishment for the most part, like Joe Biden is calling for more funds in certain areas, though he has called for like reallocation. I don't know what he's trying to say with that. He's just trying to pander the base. But you do have elements of the Democratic Party that are trying to tear this down. So when we see this, they've successfully destroyed The entire command structure of the Rochester Police Department. Now, people are saying, what are we gonna do? Who's in charge? Well, you know, they're gonna have to quickly promote somebody. That's gonna be chaos. You can't just take, I I think this is is a problem of government for sure, but in regular business, you can recognize the the problem here. You can't just take a random person and promote them. You can't be like, what what do you, you work in the mailroom? You're the boss now, go do it. They're gonna be like, I don't, I have no idea. What's, you know, what's this form? What's that form? I'm sure there's people in the police department who probably can handle some of the work But with the entire command staff stepping down they're gonna what are they gonna do promote like some random dude he's gonna be like twenty eight and he's gonna be like well I've been here for a few years uh I guess go uh, uh patrol and i I have a general I, I think they have a general idea of like what they're supposed to do but I'm sure there's a ton of stuff they've not experienced you know you get promoted you slowly work your way up you experience these things eventually you're in a command structure and you know how to do it this is this is the next step, man. And I don't think I, I, I really do feel that if Joe Biden and the Democrats maintain control, you will see more and more of this. Interestingly, I, there, there ha, like when it comes to the riots in Portland, this is really interesting. It definitely seems to be kind of slowing down a little bit. I could be wrong about that. It could just be that we're not hearing as much about it because the wildfires up in Oregon are getting crazy and there's in, in California and there's other riots happening in other parts of the country. So, maybe we do have a confirmation bias, and it's always important to check this. Maybe you know, look, especially if you only watch my content, I always recommend you watch as much much other content as possible and don't just take my word for it because I read things that I think are important, but it's my opinion, and so I'm focused on this stuff if you're you, you know you ha- you definitely need to watch uh, other other shows other other uh you know other videos. The point I'm trying to make is if all we're doing is focused on the riots, then maybe because we're focusing on other things, it seems like they're calming down. To be fair, though, I do think they are somewhat calming down for a couple of reasons. One, Antifa has already put out very serious calls like the FBI is coming, knocking on our doors, and they're char- the, the feds are charging these Antifa people with similar charges that the state was charging them with. So the DA, it, it, I think his name is Mike Schmidt, he's been cutting these people loose. Most of you probably know this if you follow my videos. But well, now the feds have come in and it was brilliant. It's very, very brilliant. And now it seemed like we've heard less and less from Portland. I'm not completely convinced, though, that Trump has solved the problem, to be completely honest. I think it's working. I think it's helped. But I also think a lot of these people are now preparing for their trip to Washington, D.C., because September 17th is the White House siege. That's when they're going to bombard the White House for, you know, 50 days or whatever until election night. They don't know what their demands are. I kid you not. I think I know what their demands are. But in the official call to action, they don't really have any demands. I think what their plan is, they want to tear the system down. They do. So let me let me let me just give you a quick uh, uh, the quick news on Portland. It's uh night one uh, one hundred and three. Oh, wow. Look at that. Protesters march from Old Town to Justice Center. It's a very short story because it was rather uneventful. But they do mention this. This is a great quote. Authorities warn demonstrators against lighting fires due to the high fire risk in the city across. It is wildfires in Oregon. Don't burn stuff down. We ask you, we ask you demonstrate peacefully and without the use of fire. Smoky and dangerous wind conditions put a damper on evening Labor Day protests in Portland, but dozens were arrested over the weekend. It may not be that Trump has actually solved the problem. I'm sorry. I'd like to pretend that the uh, deputization of these Oregon State Police has really crushed the extremist movement and and you know locked them up. I, no, it's there's ash and smoke apparently, and I don't I don't know about Portland, but I guess it's what they're, what they're saying. So people are probably trying to get out of there. I also think it's fair to point out we are what one week away from when these people are supposed to be in Washington D.C. for like a major action. So we're probably going to see Portland slow down and other places, but locals will still riot. Check this out: Los, Los Angeles Sheriff's Department arrest numerous. Anarchists at South LA protest following shooting death of Dijon uh, Kizzy. The videos coming out of LA, man, I gotta tell you what, they do not mess around. The, the, the LA, LA Sheriff's Department, they just run in and crush this these formations and just grab people. Nah, they're not playing games. I've been to LA County riots, and the LAPD, that's the, that's the joke, right? From Family Guy, the LAPD are violent and they beat people. I don't know about that much, but they definitely don't play around. Same is true for like Anaheim, and I think I can't remember. I, I was I was in Anaheim. I think it was Anaheim. They they they, uh, they and Long Beach. They come straight out with the beanbags, and they're just like it's an unlawful assembly. We're going to give you thirty seconds. Okay, it's on. Boom. Okay, not really that bad, but they they don't mess around. It's not like a, a Portland where they just stand there, you know, stand down and do whatever. But so we're definitely seeing uh, the the rights are ongoing. I want to be very careful. Uh, and, and I think everybody should 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 keep this in mind that we can't let this become normalized. And that's what's worrying to me that, you know, I've had people mention it's kind of funny. The morning routine is like you know, your, your daily update and riots across the country. And I'm like, yeah, but the problem is people really are getting bored from it for sure. But that's scary. That's part of the intent that these people have. They, they, they've straight up said it's a battle of attrition. They're trying to wear down the cops and the public so they can keep smashing and destroying. And eventually people just throw their hands in the air and say, whatever, I don't care anymore. So when these DAs don't prosecute, it's exactly what these extremists need. And now let's talk about what happened in Rochester. First, there was a protest in Rochester. A police officer was hurt and a man was arrested. This was just the other night. After several days of tense demonstrations in Rochester and two days without any arrests, Tuesday's protest added with one arrest and one officer injured. So we'll call it unrest, man. It's not a, it's not a protest. I don't want to say it was a riot. The demonstrations began last Wednesday after the Democrat and Chronicle reported the story of Daniel Prude, who died after being restrained by Rochester Police Department officers in March. All right. I said it a million times. I'm going to say it again. People should not die in police custody. But you, sometimes these things happen right now. What's worrying to me? First, you have this photo where they're painting Black Lives Matter in the street. That is an overt political movement, getting just getting preferential treatment and access over the, these, these issues that I'm not sure we can actually solve. Now we see the Rochester command, command structure uh, uh, stand, uh, resigning, and we'll read a little bit of this for, in a second. But the issue I see is out of what, 375 million police interactions per year, there are a small number of accidental deaths and sometimes, yeah, bad cops and purposeful deaths. And we, de- we definitely got to hold them accountable. But what's the solution? Could you imagine sending in a social worker to deal with a crazed man running around with a knife? You can't. Like, I- I- I've had conversations about this. I do think we need some kind of unarmed or, or like, I don't, I don't want to say unarmed, like we need some kind of civil guard, a, a first responder for certain circumstances that aren't armed with guns. Maybe only a taser and a baton or something. And their and their job is specifically to respond to only nonviolent situations. Meaning, if you've got a homeless person sitting in the middle of the road and they're not violent or anything, we can send out civil guard. When it comes to low level you know, in, in interactions and infractions, you have the civil guard. It's it, it is tough because there's a reason why we give cops guns, because there are bad people. And sometimes cops get calls where it's like, you know, a man won't leave the front of my building and the cops like, OK, it's a nonviolent. We're going to tell him to you know, you know, pass, you know, to, to, to leave and they show up and the dude is armed. What do you do? That's the problem. So I think my my answer to all of this is more funding and special training and potentially a special unit that still has weapons, but maybe doesn't have guns. I'm not sure if that's the answer, though, to be completely honest, because what would happen if, like I just mentioned, you get a call that's seemingly nonviolent and it turns violent. That's why cops have weapons. That's that's so there, there's a challenge here, man. I've seen videos where cops are absolutely, you know, overzealous, to say the least, where they panic and they draw their weapon. And I think that I think the guy's name was uh, Philando, Philando Castile, legal gun owner got pulled over cop panicked when he said he had a weapon. And the cop was like, don't pull it out. And he's like, I'm not. And the cop shot him several times. So we do have these bad moments. And I do not believe it is acceptable just to say, you know, when a cop it's, gets scared, well, you know, he was he was feared for his life. So we're not going to hold him accountable. No, I can understand that. But the system definitely needs to be held accountable to some degree because we can't have these circumstances. Now, let me, let me read you a little bit about what happened with uh, Rochester police. And I got to admit, I kind of ranted a lot on this one. We got a lot to go through. NBC reports, The chief and entire command staff of the police department in Rochester, New York, resigned on Tuesday, among other department changes, as outrage continued over the death of Daniel Prude. Chief Laron Singletary announced that he would be retiring after 20 years on the force, according to a news release from the department. Singletary said the events of the past week are an attempt to destroy my character and integrity. By describing his departure as a retirement and filing his retirement papers, the chief and the other officers will be able to draw on their pensions and health benefits. The members of the Rochester Police Department and the greater Rochester community know my reputation and know what I stand for. Singleton, 40, said in his resignation letter, the mischaracterization and the politicization of the actions that I took after being informed of Mr. Prude's death is not based on facts and is not what I stand for. Deputy Chief Joseph Morabito and Commander Fabian Rivera, also announced their retirements Tuesday. Two other high-ranking official uh, officials, Deputy Chief Mark Simmons and Commander Henry Favor, uh, returned to a lower rank of lieutenant. ranking of lieutenant. Mayor Lovely Warren said during a city council briefing Tuesday that the entire Rochester police command staff has retired. <laughs> wow! And that there may be a number of others that will decide to leave as well. You know what? Good for them. I mean it. I mean it. You got to you got to you got to take care of yourself, man. And and they're coming to destroy your life and they don't care about what's true. And they're going to mischaracterize everything you've done. Take your pension, take your benefits and go. And you know what? The city will have to deal with this if the community won't support police. And if they keep coming out and saying, no, we support the protest, then by all means, take a walk. Maybe people will then realize why they do need police or or to be fair, maybe it is this rainbow utopia. When the cops all resign, all of a sudden, everyone come out and they start dancing and they're singing under a rainbow and there's no crime anywhere. And that literally makes no sense. It's not going to happen. It's going to get worse because no one's going to be able to stop these people. That's why we have the riots in the first place. In Chicago, for instance, when the looting broke out, it's because many of these people know the police are overwhelmed and they can't do anything about it. It's unfortunate, man, but there are people who seek to exploit the system for personal gain and they'll pretend to support these protests to get it. Now, of course, the political actors are cheering this on. They've effectively disbanded the police, or they've, they've gotten halfway to it by destroying the command structure through lies, smears, and the city supported it. I am I, I cannot believe how many cities have allowed people to paint Black Lives Matter in the streets. I gotta be honest. That's nuts to me. That's taxpayer funded. That's a First Amendment lawsuit waiting to happen, and it's already been happening, but they're still doing it. So we've already seen some people, Sue, saying they want MAGA painted in the streets. Well, you'll, you're losing your cops. And it seems like first first and foremost, I want to point out the police chief's a black man. Now, I'm, I, I, I got to say, I'm a little offended by this. You know why? I do want police reform. I do lean left on many of these issues. And I think there are good things about uh, uh, diversity in certain uh, institutions. I'm not saying I think we should hire based on race. No, absolutely not. But I like the idea that we, you know, you're not going to use race as the basis of of these accusations. But now they're actually targeting police chiefs who have fought and become, you know, the highest ranking officer in their in their town who are minorities. They targeted uh, Carmen Best. I think her name was in Seattle. She was the first black female police chief gone, retiring, resigning. And now they're going after this guy. These people are avowed racists. No joke. And it and it, and it and it it bums me out when I see that there are many people who just agree with these white progressives who tell you they are racist and then try and get this dude fired. Stop and think for a minute, man. You've got a group of over of, of overwhelmingly white individuals targeting black city employees like Carmen Best, like this guy Laurent. I don't know his last name, Chief Chief Laurent. We'll call it, uh, Singletary. There you go, man. That that's that that's messed up. That's all kinds of messed up. Ultimately, I don't think, you know, for me, I don't weigh it as the biggest factor. I just question the motives of these people when you can see on, they're on video yelling racial slurs. I posted a video where the cops in New York let a car through and they were claiming the police were letting a car ram people. And I'm like, this is the video they want to use to show you that they're right. But in the video, the woman filming was screaming racial slurs at the police. And I'm like, it's, I'm not going to support that. That's ridiculous. Look, there used to be a liberal in like a liberal thing in this country, a liberal movement or group that was like, hey, we really like the idea that we have minority you know, uh, police chiefs who can express themselves and maybe offer up a, a different perspective, because what's really valuable is having a diversity of opinion. It's not about the color of the man's skin. It's about making sure that we represent different socioeconomic classes and we're we're cognizant of what's happening in this country. As many of you know, I actually think we do have issues of, I, I hate saying systemic racism because the left has distorted the definition. We'll just call it historic racism and the ramifications of, in which case we are actively working towards, through reform, improving this country, and we do a really great job of it. But what do they do? Well, overwhelmingly, white groups burn down black businesses in Minneapolis. That 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 guy who had the sports bar, they go to Atlanta and you actually have black business owners saying like, dude, you're burning down, you know, our 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 businesses and they don't care. And now people are putting up signs saying proudly black owned business where they're basically saying, please don't destroy my life. Why are, you know, there's a video of these anti-leftists trying to start a fire and black people from the neighborhood are like, look at them, look what they're doing. Stop them. Stop them. The white people are coming to our neighborhood and burning stuff down. I don't like this at all. I'm all about my my thing, as I've often said, is we need to reallocate funding from wealthier areas into poor areas via the tax system. Oh, surprise, surprise. I'm a liberal. I think that if you have a place like the Upper West Side, Upper East Side, New York, where there's a really high tax, you know, uh, a tax base, or I should say surplus in a sense, because you're generating insane amounts of city taxes through the wealthy who live there, you can use the excess funds after, you know, fixing all the infrastructure to help out impoverished areas because we're only as strong as the weakest link. Yeah, I lean left on on these issues. These people don't. They want to burn it all down. They, 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 they don't actually care about what they're talking about. Well, now maybe Ted Wheeler will face some comeuppance next. This one I'm actually okay with. I don't like the idea that a 20-year veteran of the force who happens to be a black man is targeted by these extremists, and now he's forced to resign because they're threatening his pension and his health care. I think the same thing is true for Carmen Best. To be completely fair, th- th- I, I don't care for using the color of someone's skin as a basis for anything. I just want to point out the hypocrisy of the left and how it's deeply offensive to, like, a traditional liberal perspective in this country. That's why I often say I'm not a classical liberal. I'm a social liberal. It's a center left position, whereas classical is more of a center right. Check us out from Oregon Live. Nearly two in three Portland voters view Mayor Ted Wheeler unfavorably. Even more favor new police oversight system poll shows. I don't buy it. I'm sorry, because the poll was put together by a group called, like, Yes, Police Reform Now or something. What do they say? Uh, They do support Black Lives Matter, but the poll was commissioned and paid for by Yes for Real Community Oversight of Police, a political action committee set up to advocate for the ballot measure and conducted by California-based FM3 Research. Oh, man, I want to believe it, but I don't. You mean to tell me that after all these nights of, of, of rioting and burning everything down, everyone in Portland's like, we love what they're doing. It's the police's fault. No, 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 no. Come on. Maybe many of them but these numbers are a bit high. Now, I do agree that 63% view Ted Wheeler unfavorably. I'm surprised it's 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 not higher because the right and the left want the dude to resign. The left comes out saying resign, and so does the right. And you know what? I agree. The dude needs to get out of there. He's terrible at what he does. But you know what? We'll see how things play out. Will he resign? Probably not. But here's where it gets scary. The woman running against him is an avowed Antifa, like she straight up says it. So Portland, You do your thing, man. But I'll tell you this to everybody else. I, 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 I believe the polarization is, uh, we we can't bridge that divide. Like what, how, how do you function when you have an avowed Antifa running for mayor? And if she wins, you also have the president of the U S saying Antifa are terrorists and then their actions are investigated as domestic terrorism. Yeah. That sounds like we're headed towards a, uh, uh, a cliff. If not, we've already gone over it. It's hard to know, man. I know I've been very bullish on the idea of some kind of civil war. I definitely think you can say we're in a cold civil war for one reason. We have many states upending our electoral process so they can win federal power. And that's the general idea of a civil war is two factions fighting over control of one government or, you know, there's various definitions. The point is, I think we are seeing the first stage. we, We are absolutely in a cold civil war. The fact that they want to change the voting system is, is insane to me, and the Republicans don't. They're fighting they're just it's all about winning no matter what. But but I'll tell you this if Ted Wheeler does resign with with tensions as already bad as they are, it seems to me like there's no way to solve that problem. When you have avowed anti fa district attorneys and mayors and and the left in this country are are being indoctrinated by books written by avowed white supremacists. I don't know. What to tell you, man. Maybe that's why they're chasing out these police chiefs who happen to be people of color. Because I, I'll ask you, man, how many, how many other chiefs have resigned? So so far, it's what two, the two chiefs who have resigned are black people. I don't trust them. I think they're racist. They say they're racist. They tell us they're screaming it. So maybe we need to stop listening to them. We'll see how things play out. I got another segment coming up for you in at 1 p.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Following some kind of war game put on by high level Democrats and never Trumpers, they concluded that the only way there will be no violence after this election is if Joe Biden wins in a landslide. Now, I wonder why it is that if Donald Trump wins in a landslide, there will still be violence. Could it be because the left are, is the, is the side that's causing the violence? And if they win, they won't cause more violence. Apparently, this is too much for them to consider. And so they are now whipping themselves into a frenzy over the potential for MAGA violence after Election Day. Why would Trump supporters go out and fight people if Trump won in a landslide? Oh, it's because they said there is no scenario where Trump wins in a landslide. Maybe he does. It's happened with Republicans before it could happen again. Here's the story from the Daily Beast. What we're seeing here should be alarming. The left is preparing for this 50 day White House siege where they've said nonviolently they plan to protest until Election Day. Others have called for ongoing protests after Election Day until the results are decided. But what we're seeing here with this story is them straight up telling us they live in a paranoid, delusional state. They're worried about MAGA violence. There's there's a few instances I can cite where we had right wing attacks on the left, only if a small few. And you know what? To the detriment of Trump and his supporters, yet a group of people caught on camera chasing after some Black Lives Matter activists some Antifa types and attacking one guy from behind. One guy's on the ground, like nearly weeping, saying, I'm sorry. And a woman pepper sprays his face while he's on the ground. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't. If people retreat, you've won. Let them go. Now, this is only one instance, to be fair, but it still should be criticized. You want to get violent, then I'll tell you what, man, you can share a cell with the Antifa guys. To be fair, however, this is still an instance where Antifa showed up to a Trump rally. So let's break this down. While I'm absolutely critical of violence, no matter who perpetrates it, the left has been rioting for months now, over 100 days of riots where they've been smashing things. People have literally died. And a dude in Portland shot a Trump supporter and killed him. And then only a few days later, at a a literal vigil for the man, a left wing guy, hit one of these one of these proud boys and fled, giving the guy serious injuries and is now being charged with felonies. There is no serious problem of violence from Trump supporters. And the reason why I say you've got to make sure that if you're going to these rallies, you do not chase after these people, attack them. Let them leave. Defend yourself. I get that. But even then, you've got to be very, very careful because the media will frame it all against you. These leftists live in this paranoid, delusional state where they think there's evil Trump supporters snarling and lurking around every corner coming to get them. When in reality, I would say 99.99999% of any of all the instances where there's clashes between the left and the right. It's because the right were putting on an event and Antifa crashed it and then instigated some kind of violence. Does that mean that it's only their fault? No. I think a lot sometimes you'll see proud boys or patriot prayer get baited into a fight, but then of course the media takes that screenshot and says, "Oh no, look what they're doing." That's why the right's got to be more careful. And you know what? You might not want to hear it, but I'll tell you this, man, you're you're fighting an uphill battle. The the media will not play fair with you. They're straight up telling us right now the left is preparing for violence and it's your fault. That's insane, man. That's nuts. If Trump wins, Trump supporters are going to go crack beers and wave little American flags. But they're suggesting there will be violence. Why? Even in the event where Trump wins, like he did in 2017, they say violence. You know why? Because the left will bring the violence. It wasn't Trump supporters who are running around D.C. burning things down. No, the Trump supporters go to a park with little American flags. Antifa shows up and starts attacking old people. I know because I watched it happen in Berkeley several times. Again, there is some criticism to go around on the right. But to act like you have anything to worry about from Trump supporters, in my opinion, is is ridiculous. However, I will mention there have been some militia types who have said some rather extreme things that I am not, you know, enthused about. Worrying things about, you know, civil conflict and civil war. You don't want any of this escalation. But people are getting heated, man. I'll tell you this: there's the war game I've referenced several times. But what we're really uh, and, and they basically said either it's going to be a Biden landslide, a Biden close win a Trump electoral win or no known result or something like that. They did not present any scenario where Trump actually won based on the polls. Maybe that's fair. I don't know. The problem with the war game is that they didn't actually have Trump supporters in the war game. It was never Trumpers. So, of course, the people playing Trump had the worst caricature of Trump and were like, we're going to get violent. Well, because of this, Because these people watch CNN, The Washington Post and MSNBC, they're now in a paranoid, delusional state where they think the Russians are coming to get them. And, you know, Donald Trump is secretly an asset of Russia. They still believe all this stuff. They think Trump is trying to dig up dirt on Joe Biden. And they think Trump supporters are snarling demons walking around the corner ready to attack at any moment when, in fact, it's them. They're the ones doing this. If they stopped watching the stupid fake news, maybe they'd realize this. Now, I've got more criticism for some of these people, but let's read this story. The Daily Beast says, last week, a coalition of leading progressive groups gathered on Zoom to begin organizing what they envision as the post-election day political apocalypse scenario, scenario. Put together by the Fight Back table, an initiative launched at the 2016 election to get a constellation of lefty organizations to work more closely together. The meeting dealt with the operational demands expected, if the November election ends without a clear outcome or with a Joe Biden win that Donald Trump refuses to recognize. I love that. Who refused to recognize this in 2016? Hillary Clinton, the Democrats. They launched all these ridiculous investigations and impeachment, and it was complete fake news. But they still blame Trump. Incredible. You know what this article is telling us? The Democrats know they're violent. They accept that they're violent, but it's okay because they've convinced their people that it's actually you, the regular American who's really violent or the Trump supporter. Sources familiar with the discussions described them as serious with a modestly panicked undertone. A smaller FBT fight back table. Is that what they call it? Yeah, fight back table session last fall had talked about post-election planning, but those discussions were tabled because of the COVID pandemic. This was the first time they were bringing the matter to the 50 plus organizations that make up the coalition to formalize the effort. They gave it a name, the Democracy Defense Nerve Center. Are there any Trump supporters forming grand coalitions of militias to, to fight the, the left? No, there's Rando saying like, oh, I'll go out there and fight. And for the most part, there's groups like what well, I don't know, Turning Point USA. Oh no, Charlie Kirk's gonna post one of those tweets again with the with the emoji face. We better all get scared. No, I'll tell you what's really disconcerting. Fifty plus left the organization saying there's gonna be violence and we must defend the country. These people have been engaging in violence and they're telling us now they plan to do it again. Over the course of two hours, participants broached the question of what the progressive political ecosystem can functionally do in a series of election scenarios they began charting out what it would take to stand up a a multi-state communications arm to fight disinformation, a training program for nonviolent civil disobedience and the underpinnings of what one official described as mass public unrest. And they poured over a report from the Transition Integrity Project, a bipartisan group formed in 2019 that analyzed various election season scenarios and made clear the type of (laughs) the corruption and chaos. I'm going to cut out that word that it was just a swear that potentially was ahead. The potential for violent conflict is high. You know, to be fair, I think everybody thinks this. I really I really do. And I'll tell you this, man. This is why the left tends to win so often in many of these circumstances. They're organized. I do not do not want to see anyone forming these massive groups saying we better prepare for violence. Absolutely not. I think everybody should stay home, make money and avoid physical confrontation, especially right now. We're in that 60 day window, right? Where they're not supposed to do certain, like like the FBI is not supposed to do certain things or something. I forgot what it's called because the election's coming up. Imagine that, any, just just realize that anything you do, like this video of the, of the Trump supporters running after the Black Lives Matter people, that just swung a whole bunch of votes away from Trump, from independence. It did. Uh, it's true. Don't go out and attack people. Defend yourself and But even even in that circumstance, you got to recognize they're going to take it out of context. You're not fighting a fair battle with the media here. But listen, the left is organized. The reason why there is social media censorship to a certain degree, because I think for the most part, you do have bias. to These companies, the employees, there's a story right now about a Facebook employee quitting, you know, because he wants Facebook to ban hate speech. But one of the reasons is that they organize these mass flagging campaigns. They brigade people. Conservatives don't do that. And I think it makes sense. Conservatives are individualists and the left are collectivists and collective action is powerful. And that's power that they can wield at an organizational level. They can get all of these states to upend the rules of the election with mass mail-in voting and then straight up say, you know what? We're going to get violent because we're, we're concerned. The news said Trump, will, Trump supporters will be violent, so we better prepare for violence. This is, the really, this is one of the stupidest things that, that could be happening right now because you know what the right's only reaction to this is? They also have to prepare. And I certainly, I certainly hope people just stay home. But there's 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 a serious problem. If law enforcement in certain jurisdictions won't enforce the law and is allowing the far left to go smash things up, what should any regular person do? So there's a joke. I'm I'm working on a card game, and uh, in the in the card game we have two joke. uh, There's like left wing and right wing cards. One of the cards is small business owner, and it's labeled as far right. That's the joke, because in these circumstances, if you're a regular person who comes out onto your property and says, get off my property, get away. And they're like throwing Molotovs and you defend yourself. They'll call you far right. They'll say far right provocateur. They will label you that even if you are just a regular person who doesn't know what's going on and says, stay away from my family. That will be far right to them. So there's I I don't think there's going to be mass uh, organized right wing responses to what the left is doing. We'll see how it plays out. Let's read more. Here's a quote. I don't know what the strategy is when armed right wing militia dudes show up in polling places, the source said. The Kyle Rittenhouse guy is being lionized on the right right now. If it is being unleashed that you can shoot people and be a hero, I don't know what preparation we can possibly do for that. You know what this is? This is them watching too much CNN and MSNBC. Kyle Rittenhouse executed. Kyle Rittenhouse was being chased down the street by some guy who was trying to take his gun. So uh, to be, let me break that down. Let me be more fair. He was being chased down the street by a guy who was yelling at him and threatening him. Someone fired into the air. And when he turned around, this dude lunged at him and it is reported by several outlets that he tried to grab the gun. Perhaps, as the left says, he was trying to disarm him, but he hadn't shot anybody at that point. Well, Rittenhouse then fired, I believe, four shots, hitting the guy several times. And he actually died because I believe one of the one of the bullets hit a lung, not, it did not go into his head. He did not get shot in the head. And that's why he was gargling. He had it. It may have been like, a, a, a yeah, he, he breached lung, I guess. I don't I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you exactly what what it was, but he ended up dying from that. Kyle then ran to get the police. He's on video saying it. People then knock him over, jump, kick him in the face. And one guy runs up and grabs the barrel and Rittenhouse defended himself. It is a horrifically nightmarish scenario some people are are saying he's a hero. I think that's ridiculous. I think he was just a kid who thought he was doing good and and it it was foolish to go out there. You need to understand beyond like, I get it, man. People have a right to defend themselves, their communities and all that stuff. But there is a bigger, we're in a bigger stage right now. And tact is very important. This kid was 17. There's, you know, he's being charged now with illegal possession of a weapon. He shouldn't have been out there. But you know what? The cops should have been and the riders should not have been in the first place. So it really is a very difficult position to call him a hero. Nah, I won't play that game. To say he was defending himself and these charges are ridiculous. Absolutely. Where do we go from here? Well, the way they're framing it is they look to, you know, they see memes, they watch MSNBC, and of course they get whipped into a frenzy believing the right is violent. Well, let me break it down for you. It's true. It's fair to say 93 percent of the protests were peaceful, but I don't care about peaceful protests and I'm not dragging them for having peaceful protests. I'm specifically critical of these people organizing violence. And it's true for some people on the right that they're, they're concerned the left will get violent. But the problem is the left does get violent. They're the ones who show up and attack people and they won't put a check on them. Why is it that You know, whatever we are, this group, this faction, have no problem condemning far-right extremists and condemning violence. There's a bunch of conservatives who said these Trump supporters should not have attacked these guys, and I'm like, there it is. They got no problem saying it. And when we call it violence in general, they ignore it. They live in the mainstream establishment world, and unfortunately, they're organized. They go on to say, "Those involved in the conversation say this uh, this wide an array of groups has never coordinated so closely on these matters before." And the fact that they were sitting down some two months in advance of the election was a testament to how seriously they take the complications and threats Election Day poses. It is very obvious that Trump is laying the groundwork for claiming victory no matter what, said Rana Epting, executive director of Move On, and a participant in the FPT call. Progressive groups at the end of the day believe in our democracy and, while it is not perfect, believe in building upon it and strengthening it, and we will fight to protect it From what we truly see as a president who has gone off the rails and taking this country down an authoritarian fascist path. I'm sorry, man. These people are in a paranoid, delusional state. Donald Trump is not a fascist. He's actually fairly moderate, and even Vox says this. This is what's been very confusing to me. I reference mainstream media sources in everything I do. I use NewsGuard, which is biased towards left liberal outlets, and I try and fact check and call many of these outlets out, but for the most part the, the, the stories that I, I talk about, the opinions that I have, are predicated upon mainstream media. They are telling us, nay, they are screaming in our faces. Mail in voting is broken. The Associated Press, was it two thirds of, of, of absentee ballots or something, or a, a third of absentee ballots will be rejected. Washington Post, 46 states will have their, their ballots delayed and potentially discounted. New York Times, 1 million ballots at high risk. For not being counted in the primaries because they arrived late, and then we see—I think it was from the Baltimore Sun—that the post office in 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 Maryland, a post office in Maryland, sat on nearly seventy thousand pieces of mail for five days. Why I don't know, but they could not be screaming louder. Yet still, even though I acknowledge these mainstream media sources and say, "Okay, I'll take the I'll take their word for it," the left says Trump is cheating. Dr. Birx and Fauci said we can vote. What is this? What is the game? And they're preparing for violence. I, I, I've seen some right wing militia types say, you know, we'll defend ourselves and stuff. And I've seen some right wing militia types talk about getting ready for violence. But I have not seen right wing groups put together a 50 group coalition to prepare for violence against Trump's uh, Trump supporters and Trump because he's trying to steal the election that he's trying to declare victory no matter what. That's crazy. It was Hillary Clinton who said Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances. In the war game they reference it was John Podesta playing Biden in this game, saying he will not concede. But they project it's 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 insane. But they acknowledge even in this game that if if Joe Biden wins, Trump will peacefully transfer over power, then who is engaging in violence when Trump wins? That's right. These people. And and, and they want to convince you it's Trump who will be violent. This story's goal, in my opinion, is is, is to tell suburban America. Trump is the real threat. And if Joe Biden doesn't win, Trump supporters will be the violent ones. And that's why Joe Biden tweeted Donald Trump's got to get his militias out of these cities. And that's why I've been very critical of these Trump supporters and right wing groups that are like, we're going to go and go to Portland with shields and bats. I tell you what, man, probably if there's anything That could seriously hurt Trump's campaign. It's going to be the Proud Boys showing up in Portland on September 26th because you're gonna have a bunch of people coming into the city. I know Antifa does it, but the media is waiting for an opportunity to lie. You get one photo of a Proud Boy in the city and Joe Biden's going to say, we begged you. He's going to be like, look, man, we told you, we begged you. We said, get these militias out of here. And now what happened? People marching down the streets, punching peaceful protesters. That's what they're going to say. They're going to lie. That's what's going to happen if they show up. And they probably already have that narrative, to be completely honest. So this is what the mainstream media runs. And I say mainstream media, but the reality is like Daily Beast is very in the bag for Democrats, and so is CNN. This is the story they're going to roll with, because the bubble is small, and it is going to impact people. Trump supporters took a major, major uh, uh, polling uh, boost when a Trump supporter was gunned down by a violent, psychotic stalker in Portland. It's nightmarish to think about, but let's I'm am not trying to play light about what happened. Uh, you know, uh, you know, make it light, make light of what happened. This guy lost his life. What that showed, though, was that Trump supporters aren't walking around shooting people or attacking people. There have been some instances absolutely should be critical of showing up with paintball guns and stuff. Man, that is that is a terrible idea. Absolutely terrible idea. If you know, I, I remember when I was in Boston and there was a bunch of Antifa showing up to a right wing a rally, and all the right wingers were unarmed and had shields. And that was a tactical and strategic victory. The right said, We have a right to protest and we will, so we will. We won't back down. But they didn't bring weapons, they only brought shields. And I actually pointed this out on a live stream. And I talked to people, I said, take a look at the Antifa people, what are they what are they holding? And people would be like, Clubs, crowbars, baseball bats. Take a look at the right wing groups, what are they holding? shields. Why? They were just intending on being defensive, not offensive. Well, now you've got people on the right showing up with paintball guns and and other weapons. So it's only a matter of time before the violence escalates and the media gets exactly what they want. They want the narrative to be, now that we're just outside of the election, just two months out, if you don't support Joe Biden, Trump's militia will show up and get violent. Now, the narrative makes little to no sense, right? Why would You'd think if Biden won, then Trump supporters would be angry, like, no, how could Biden win? So they're clearly lying. Don't give them the photos they need to to lie and trick people. Now, I'm not sure because, look, they can pull up any old fake photo and pull out of context. They do it all day, every day. And I think what will happen is the left is preparing for violence to provoke a MAGA response to make Trump look bad. And I think it's going to work. I do, because we already saw Here's what I'm hearing. If you've seen these videos, they're going viral. They're claiming Proud Boys attacked people in Salem, Oregon. uh, Oregon. My understanding is it's not true that these guys were not Proud Boys, though Proud Boys were there. But just just, just think about how this is already happening. And what I'm being told is that the Black Lives Matter people attacked the Trump supporters and the Trump supporters chased after them to, to stop them. You took the bait. That's it. They took the bait you got some scrawny, frail Black Lives Matter people. They start a fight and then run away screaming, help, help, I'm being repressed. And that's the video that went viral. How many videos of far left riots go viral? Among the right, some. Now these videos are are the top of Reddit, showing a guy wearing body armor, and like a mask, hitting a a Black Lives Matter guy over the back of the head, shoving one guy to the ground. And as he's on the ground with his pants falling down, saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. A woman walks up and pepper sprays him in the face you took the bait and you gave them what they want. Here's what here. So, so what you need to do, everyone recognize that Antifa is trying to provoke you into a fight so that they can then get the photograph of them looking like the victims. I've warned they do this. They've done it and they'll do it again. So if these groups actually do go out and protest, the left will provoke them into a fight and it will justify everything they said. And maybe that's it maybe the right is just not organized enough to actually push back. That's a scary thought. I mean, think about it. The Republican Party is, is much smaller among a register. Uh, there's much less registered Republicans than Democrats. The Democrats are are organized, strategic, and they provide resources to each other, the collectivists. That gives them great power. They're now preparing for violence, talking about how the only way we get through it is if Biden wins because Trump supporters will be violent. You know what that means? when these Trump supporters invariably come out because they're concerned about polling you know, malfeasance, they will start a fight, but their allies and media will make it seem like the right started the fight. So to be fair, at that Salem, Oregon uh, incident, there's video where people are saying it shows the Black Lives Matter people started the fight and then ran. But that's the bait. You don't attack someone running away. You say bye bye. Thanks for running. Instead, they got the videos they wanted and they are massively viral to the tune of millions of views. But let me just tell you, man, I have not seen, for the most part, right-wing organizations preparing for violence. I can tell you right here that the left is absolutely, secretly preparing for violence. The only issue, they claim it's self-defense. We'll see how that plays out. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. is my main channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Be wary when advocating for policy because it is only a matter of time before that policy is used against you. And in this instance, we have leftists being charged with a hate crime for attacking a family over their MAGA hats and stealing a MAGA hat from a seven-year-old boy. They're being charged, indicted on hate crime charges. These are things the left pushes for. Many on the right, many libertarians challenge hate crime laws and even to an extent terror laws because these are crimes on top of crimes. If it's illegal to do something, in my opinion, it's already illegal. I don't like the idea that I actually don't even like they're being charged with the hate crime. I think you charge them for the crime they committed. But hey, so long as this is what you've created, you will reap what you have sown. Here's the story from Delaware Online. Wilmington women indicted on hate crime, uh, hate, hate crime charges after viral MAGA hat theft. They say the two women seen in a viral video confronting and taking a red Make America Great Again hat from supporters of President Trump at the Democratic National Convention in Wilmington last month have been indicted on hate crime charges. Olivia Wil- uh, Winslow and Cameron Amy, both 21 from Wilmington, were indicted by a Newcastle County grand jury on Tuesday on charges of second degree robbery, secondary conspiracy, endangering the welfare of a child, third degree assault, attempted third degree assault, offensive touching and felony hate crimes, felony charges. Jeez. I'm sorry, man, a bit over the top. Come on. Two 21-year-old women who acted a fool. I mean, yeah, arrest them, give them some charges, but they're facing a serious onslaught of charges. Well, you know what? Look, I'm no fan of courts setting examples by punishing individuals. I'm all about the individual, okay, in this country. And this, this this is, wow. I'll tell you what, man, look, like I said, these are, the, these are the rules you advocate for. You want big government. You want th- this kind of, you know, uh, you want these charges to exist. They're going to use them on you. To be fair, I don't think these women know anything about what's going on. These are just dumb TD, you know, Trump derangement syndrome normies or whatever, who were at the DNC and then saw Trump supporters and went nuts. It's It's a paranoid, delusional state induced by the media for the most part. I'm being a little bit hyperbolic in that sense. I mean, but people see this insanity on the on the news and they go nuts. Well, look man, if 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 they're throwing Molotov cocktails like these people in New York and Portland and other places, I get it. But hey man, you reap what you sow. I don't know. This is this is rough. Part of me is like, "Good, I'm glad they're getting arrested," but come on man, isn't it a little excessive? I mean, yeah, give them some charges. They say in a video posted on social media, Winslow and Amy were seen damaging signs and taking a red MAGA hat from a group of Trump supporters, protesting the nomination of former Vice President Joe Biden as the Democratic nominee. A young boy in the video can be heard saying that's somebody else's hat, after Winslow appears to pick it up off the ground and throws it. Call 911, the boy says to his mother, as the two women walk away with the hat. Later in the video, a man attempting to get the hat back appears to be punched by the second suspect, who later throws the hat over a fence, Video of the confrontation posted by Students for Trump on Twitter has been viewed millions of times and was shared by Trump's son, Donald Jr. Winslow and Amy were arrested shortly after the incident. Wilmington police said they identified the, identified the two after reviewing the video footage. Three of the seven charges the two women face are felonies and collectively are punishable by 15 years in prison. Dude, come on. You gotta agree with me. It's a little bit much for some dumb 21-year-old women you can put him in jail. But wow, 15 years. I'm I'm not I'm not a fan. I'm sorry, man. The hate crime charges could lead to the most prison time of all the charges. Delaware law states that a person is guilty of such when they commit a crime for the purpose of interfering with the victim's free exercise or enjoyment of any right, privilege or immunity protected by the First Amendment to the United States Constitution or commit said crime because the victim has exercised or enjoyed said rights. Delaware Attorney General Kathy Jennings, whose office pursued the indictment against the women, said in a written statement Tuesday that harming another person, let alone a child, because of the expression of their views, betrays the principle on which our country was founded. Let let me just stop here and make it clear. I am absolutely happy to see they were arrested and they were charged. I believe that these charges go a little bit over the top, but let's be reasonable. They're gonna plead down to some ridiculous, you know, misdemeanor. They're not gonna get uh, 15 years in prison. Come on. Now, this is the, 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 the this is in stark contrast to what we see in Portland. I want to make sure we don't go on either extreme, right? I mean, in Portland, they're just letting everybody go, and it's like, no, 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 you, you charge them, okay? In this instance, 15 years in prison for being a dumb, you know, for, for attacking people. Well, I guess it's better than letting them go, to be honest. You know, they say. The two women are out on bail. A spokesman for Jennings said Tuesday, it is unclear when they are to be arraigned on the charges. So that's just that's, that's the gist of this story. But listen, we do have a serious problem with violence in this country. So I'm no fan of setting examples by by doing this to people. But at the same time, you know, I think it's fair to point out that the violence won't stop until these people actually get hit with serious charges and they realize you can't do these things. All right. In Portland now, Antifa put out a call where they're freaking out because the FBI is actually coming after many of these people. And we just saw, we just saw the story. Hopefully I've, I've had to remove some of the images posted by Taylor Hansen because they're graphic, he was brutally beaten by these far leftists. These people are not going to face justice and they should. If only we had the prosecutor from, you know, Wilmington up in Portland. Taylor tweeted last night in Portland, I was beaten bloody by four people in black block. Here's the story. He says, it started with a press member recognizing me. He proceeded to get on his phone to show a group of black block what I believed to be my Instagram. I fled and changed my disguise and returned once they had arrived at a different location. I believe this post is what exposed me after changing my attire. They say Tyler, uh, Hans, Tyler, UA or whatever. Oh, Tyler USA here said he infiltrated Antifa. He says, as I was standing on the corner, two suspicious men were looking at me and talking amongst themselves. They walked by and directly addressed me by my name. Here is a video. I began walking away. A few blocks down, uh, down there was a group of four dressed in black block waiting for me around the corner. They proceeded to beat me. I was punched in the face, thrown in the ground, where they began kicking me in the back of the head and hitting me in the face. As they fled, one yelled, stay out of Portland, B. I am, thank- I am thankful they stopped the beating when they did and didn't use weapons to inflict harm or death upon me. Does this look peaceful to you? keeping in mind. I had to remove the images because it shows his face battered and bloody. Maybe these young women, you know, should face some kind of strict and harsh penalty. I'm not going to be the I'm, I'm not the arbiter of justice. I don't know exactly what they should or shouldn't face and to be fair, I've only seen the one video so perhaps it's a bit worse than I even I realize. But this sounds substantially worse regardless. The violence needs to stop. But I don't think it will. So maybe there is a point to be said about these women facing very serious charges. Maybe they will start to tell their friends, don't do this. Maybe they might actually get a year or so in prison. I really do believe that when these women end up going to uh, court, they're going to plead not guilty to almost all of these charges. They'll, uh, if, if they even get to that point. Here's what I think is going to happen. The prosecutor just, oh, I'm sorry, it was a grand jury. This is where it gets crazy. So I think it's fair to point out, well, while I may be shocked by this and reluctant to, you know, to, to uh, agree with the charges, grand jury knows more than I do. So it may have been much worse than we realize if they're getting all of these charges, including hate crime. But I'll tell you what, I, I'm willing to bet, assuming I, I believe this is how it would work, the prosecutor will offer up some kind of plea agreement saying plead guilty to these charges and you'll get only a certain amount of jail time, in which case these young men are probably going to have to say uh, they plead guilty. I believe they will likely plead guilty. I mean, that's typically how it goes in this country for the most part. Will that be a deterrent to other far leftists to engage in violence? I just don't know. Maybe the charges themselves are meant to be a little over the top to scare people, particularly in Wilmington, to not do this. Don't like the idea. But if they ultimately do just get a, a, you know, I I don't want to say a lighter penalty because I want them to face face a strict penalty. But come on, man, 15 years, three felony charges. Maybe, maybe the hate crime charge, they broke the law. That's the law where they live. And they should know better. If if it's a hate crime to violate the rights of somebody, then they did that. So maybe it may be excessive to have 15 years, but they still would get a felony. As for the dudes in Portland, I don't think we're going to see justice in that regard. And I'm concerned that moving forward with people, these journalists, you know, uh, individuals being beaten, it's only going to escalate. I hope not. I really do. I really hope not. I think with Trump having the deputized uh, Oregon State Police, we start to see things kind of wind down. But the problem that I see, and, and to, specif- to, to get specific on these young women, they're being charged all these crimes. I'm willing to bet they're actually from well-off families, particularly from Wilmington, Delaware, because we have this story. Comic book writer's son arrested in BLM Rampage in NYC. Apparently, a couple of the people in New York who went on a rampage come from well, well-off families. So even if these women get these very serious charges, they can probably afford powerful lawyers to go up against it. I don't think that's an excuse for allowing an authoritarian system to overcharge people. But these these far left Antifa types, the people who engage in violence are ugh, they're, they're, they're typically well to do progressives and liberals who think they can get away with everything, have never really faced any kind of real punishment. And they should. And it's not just them. It's any one of these affluenza types. I think it's stupid. You get some kid who commits a crime and they're like, well, he's rich, so we'll let him go. Nah. You know what, man? They're facing charges. They attacked a kid. Maybe that's what they deserve. I don't know enough about Wilmington, Delaware to to give a better opinion on that, but it's better than nothing. And I think we need to see more justice. We do. Uh, So when these people attack people, they get, you know, some kind of penalty. I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. In the name of equality, University of Michigan Dearborn has launched a whites only cafe. I'm not exaggerating. They quite literally did. And people started freaking out. But you know what's really scary about this is that the people at the university didn't think twice until critics got a hold of it on the Internet and the university panicked and took down the page. Fortunately, I still have the page saved and I can show you what it actually said. And yes, they didn't call it whites only. They called it the non POC, people of color cafe, meaning the only people who could go in there and talk would be white people, and they would be in there to talk about white people issues. This is why I think it is imperative Donald Trump wins. He has banned critical race theory. This is a a, 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 this is part of critical race theory. This racism from the left, it is reaching a, a, a climax. It is getting nightmarish. And I don't want to live in that world. I really, really don't. A lot of people like to make jokes when I, uh, you know, like it's, it's like a meme now when Tim Pool mentions that Tim Pool is in fact mixed race. And the reason is, it's because I'm ethnically ambiguous. That's the way uh, I describe it, I guess, because people don't actually know what I am. When I go to leftist spaces, they sort of tiptoe and go, You have white privilege? Because you look kind of white? But then other people are like, No, he's clearly something else. I want you to stop and think for a minute. When many people on the left, when I challenge their narrative, they'll just tell me I'm white. Okay. when I agree with them, they'll say, then we recognize you as a person of color. Do you think they would allow me into either of those cafes? No, that's why it's so freaky to me that they would even have these exist in the first place. I've experienced this firsthand at Occupy Wall Street where they told me I wasn't welcome at any of their non POC caucus groups. Because I was clearly a person of color who needed to be in a special marginalized caucus. And then there's also the other side that said I was too white to go into their groups. So what's going to happen when I walk up and say, what do you identify as? I say, I don't identify as anything, dude, an American, a regular person who wants to be left alone. This is the world they are creating. This is the world that freaks me out. And Donald Trump says I am banning critical race theory. I say, thank you, Mr. President. Why for that? I believe I will offer up a vote because this is a world I do not want. It's a world that existed in the past. And this is why I'm telling you the left are reactionaries. What this means is they're trying to turn back the clock to recreate an older society. This is not progress. They have discovered these white supremacists, these extremists have discovered a way to implement whites only spaces under the guise of social justice. They are avowed racists. They tell us they are racist and they're trying to create segregation. It's not the first time we've seen this and it will not be the last. But this may be one of the most freakish and the worst. You know why? We already knew what happened when these lunatics were in college and we all laughed. College campus is crazy. Now we all live on college campuses. Because they graduated. Now they're at the New York Times. What do you think is going to happen when these people graduate? It's only a matter of time before they get their way. I am warning you now. I have talked about this with many progressive friends, and they just don't seem to get it. Some of them get confused by it in California, where they're trying to repeal Prop 209, their civil rights legislation. Here's what I said to a friend of mine. If this passes referendum in November, and the state is now granted the right to discriminate based on race. Do you believe that the conservative areas of California that are mostly white will just agree with you to run things your way? Or do you think that there are certain pockets where actual white collectives will put up signs saying whites only thank you, Democrats, for repealing Prop 209? I'd be willing to bet they exist. Now, now personally, I don't think it'd be widespread, but I'm willing to bet you will see something like that. But the greater point is, they themselves will create the whites-only spaces under the guise of social justice. They will say, Here's the entrance for the people of color. Here's the the entrance for the for the non-people of color. But it's the exact same thing. And what do we do to stop it? Well, let me let me show you this. So we have the story from the post-millennial. I'll read a little bit, but I want to show you the actual website. This is what the website actually looked like before they deleted it. It was a special event online and virtual non-POC cafe. Tuesday, September 8th, 2020 from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. It may be they took it down because it already happened. I don't know. They say holding space for students that do not identify as people of color. <laughs> what? <laughs> holding space. I'll tell you, man, I've got to experience the uh, uh, I, I get to experience racism across the board. It's it's, it's good fun. This is why I think the uh, an American identity is the most important identity. I blame the left. They're the ones who created the, 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 the world in which mixed race communities and peoples could exist. Now, I see what, what the white, white supremacists and white nationalists say about me. They don't say pretty things. And I see what the leftists say about me. And it's almost the exact same thing. Why would I want to entertain any of these lunatics? Here you go. They say the non people of color cafe is a space for students that do not identify as persons of color to gather and to discuss their experience as students on campus and as non-POC in the world. Feel free to drop in and discuss your experiences as non-persons of color and hopefully brainstorm solutions to common issues within the non-POC community. I have warned over and over again what they are saying is they have created a whites-only space for whites to come together and talk about issues the white community faces. What do you think they are trying to do? Robin DiAngelo, white fragility in the front of all these bookstores. Number one, bestseller, white supremacists are gaining power in this country under the guise of opposing this. And you know what? I'm I'm going to be careful because I don't want I don't want to give this guy any credit. But think about it. How many people have you heard of who have pretended to be black, high profile, millions of followers, grifting, making tons of money, profiting off of the death of black people? There are some high profile activists who are not black, but who claim to be. And they use black and white photos and sepia tones. So you can't really tell they're actually just white people who cut their hair in a specific way so they can pretend to be non-white. They will exploit the system. These people don't care about these issues. They care about power and money. And they have people on their side who absolutely want racial segregation. They say the cafe will be facilitated by a non-POC faculty staff member to ensure that discussions are kept safe and respectful. The cafe will be held bimonthly generally to occur on the first Tuesday of every month at 2 p.m. and the third Wednesday of every month at 7 p.m. Dates and times are subject to change depending on feedback and demand. Click the RSVP. Well, they got rid of it. Now it says you are not authorized to access this page. Uh Uh-oh. They realized what they were doing was nightmarishly racist, or maybe not. Maybe they realized that it was looking bad for them. And so they ended up taking the page down. I don't want to live in that world, man. I really don't. So what can I do when I tell my friends who are lefties? I have no choice. I can't vote for Joe Biden. He's negotiating with these people. The Democratic Party is going back to its roots of segregation. Congratulations. You've earned it. There is literally Trump could look. What, what 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 should I say to my family, when I'm like this is the future that they're trying to create? Who should we vote for? Well, there's one person saying no to this, and it's Trump. It's there's one faction that's saying we believe in equality for 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 everyone regardless of race, and it's not the left. There is no I. I, I you know I've had conversations with you know like white conservatives about this, and it's interesting because they actually have nothing to they have nothing to to. Uh, to gain by challenging this other than they're like proving standing on principle. You know what I mean? The left wants to create isolated spaces for their fringe ideology. Conservatives have only to gain. Uh, the only thing they have to gain is actually helping people who would be uh, oppressed by these psychotic policies. Here's what the postmonial says. There's a tw- uh, I'm going to show you this tweets from Abed A. Ayub. He says, From UM, University of Michigan, Dearborn, the non-POC cafe or the white cafe. Anyway, I wonder what the menu looks like for the non-POC cafe. If they have chocolate hummus, I am calling for a boycott. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so great that they're introducing segregation. Maybe they have chocolate hummus and we'll got to be upset about it. Mm. No, I think segregation is wrong. The non-POC cafe will be holding space for students and not identify this. We understand. They say not only are white people who don't identify themselves by a melanin-infused skin tone meant to talk about how they feel about being white people, about not being of color for their, uh, their, con- their conversation will be facilitated. The cafe will be facilitated, This we understand. To recap, the white people who gather to talk about their whiteness will be observed by a white person to make sure the discussion on whiteness are of the appropriate kind. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a lefty thing. I don't think it was supposed to be white people having a struggle session, you know, about how they're uh, bad for being white. I think it's going to be a bunch of white people laughing, creating a white only space. And I believe it's going to be a bunch of racists laughing, saying, Can you believe we tricked these people into doing this? This is why, look, listen, we've seen white nationalists endorse Joe Biden. Clearly, they're more competent. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Could it be that they've discovered the path towards their goals with white nationalism come from the identitarian left and not Donald Trump, I think we're in serious trouble. There is there is no way I will ever compromise with this. There's no way where I would ever stand in front of one of these these white supremacist lunatics and be like, well, I think you can have segregated spaces for for this many days of the month. Well, how about we 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 have whites only spaces? No, 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 no compromise. It's not happening. It's not going to come from me. And I'm going to stand opposed to this. And I'm glad to see that Trump is doing it too. So I wonder, what do you say to people on the left who want this? They're, 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 they're white supremacists, man. Whatever. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. A video gone viral. 3.6 million views from a man named, uh, what's, his, what's his name? Actually, they don't have the video post here. It's not Rex Chapman. So Rex Chapman tweeted out this video of this guy who's walking around New York, fake crying, saying it's it's so awful in New York. There's 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 people everywhere having ice cream and going out for dinner. Oh, no. He walks around for about a minute showing a wealthier neighborhood in New York where people are having outdoor patio dining and enjoying uh, ice cream at a rest- at a shop called Big Gay Ice Cream. And he goes like they're having ice cream. And then he pans a little bit. and He goes gay ice cream and all these leftists. 26,900 retweets, 3.6 million views we are all laughing. (laughs) New York is so great. and And then here's what he does. At the end of the video, he goes, he's like fake crying. And then he goes, stop watching Fox News. You know what I say to this? Stop watching MSNBC. When I highlight the problems in New York and somewhat for sure, fine, hyperbolically say that New York will eventually become like Escape from New York, what I'm talking about is the fact that there are very serious and real crimes happening, that people have been killed, that lethal crime is skyrocketing, that shootings are skyrocketing. And what these people do in their privilege is go into the wealthy and safe areas and go, everything is fine. I want to show you some photographs. I want, I want to talk to you about what's really going on. Take a look at this image. I said, imagine. so here, here's a photo and I'll describe it to those who are just listening. It's a picture on the right. You see very, very beautiful pool. You see a a, a a what I believe is a basketball court. Maybe no, actually it's not a basketball court. I don't know what that is. There's a tennis court. There's all of these beautiful rows of this of this luxury building where they all have pools on their balconies. Now that's really impressive because that's that's heavy. You know, you're putting a putting a pool in a balcony that could be very heavy. You know, but these are these are well well done. Very luxury. Okay, luxurious. Just to the left of all of this is a wall. And on the other side is a favela. This is in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And this is why I've always been very big on class issues. These people on the left, the limousine liberal types, the liberal elite ivory tower people don't care about social justice. They don't care about class issues. They care about making sure the peasants are appeased so they don't come and stage a revolt. It's one of the reasons I went down to Occupy Wall Street. I believe class issues are very serious. I believe that Well, I I, I do believe in capitalism. I'm more of a mixed economy kind of person where I think there's room for social programs so long as we have appropriate checks and balances. Right now, we don't. These programs basically run amok and cause lots of problems. But the point is, while this guy walks around and they're all laughing, while he mocks and belittles the plight of the poor because he's in a rich neighborhood, they don't understand what the world is really like. So I show you this image. Imagine, here's what I said, playing tennis here. And posting a video about how Sao Paulo is fine and it's beautiful, and having other well-to-do liberals laughing and agreeing. I can't believe anybody would think favelas are bad and Sao Paulo has poverty because we're playing tennis in our infinity pool It's right up there upon the roof. Meanwhile, tactical units are storming homes. There is no running water, and gangs control the area. Why? I've actually gone to Brazil and visited some of these favelas, and what have, what did I find? In some, they've been definitely been improving. Uh, the, the the standard of living for people who live here, they have very serious problems. And this is the narrative we are getting now from the left because they refuse to acknowledge they have run their cities into the ground. I think it's funny when people uh, I, I made a comment where I said red states are doing better than blue states. And then all of a sudden, you know, people started taking arbitrary metrics to argue that I was wrong. I was specifically referring to the lockdown and whether or not people were able to go out and eat. And how was GDP growth? Because the sunbelt spike never happened. It was a blip and then it went away. But this is what this is what you get. They will go to the wealthy areas. They will laugh and ha ha and ignore your plight. Here's another photo. This is amazing. I don't know exactly where this image is, but this image comes from uh, this is from Mexico City, actually. There we go here. You can see here's the divider right in the middle on the right. These photos truly fascinate me. Beautiful suburban living, wonderful little homes, their fancy little shapes. And then on the left, favelas, misshapen buildings built randomly. Poverty. Poverty exists. One of the reasons I've always had a problem with Democrats is because I grew up in Chicago. And I understood this. The limousine liberal types. They claimed to be on the left. They claimed to care about the poor, but they didn't. They didn't. They just used the poor and played and preyed upon their ignorance to get whatever they want. Welcome to New York City. Wild gunman hits an intended target. But Stray Bullet also wound men and women in their third floor Brooklyn apartment. Minding your own business in Brooklyn. What's that, good sir? Thank you for the tweet, Rex Chapman, where you walked around Manhattan, a wealthy area, and and said, I don't understand why anyone would complain about New York City. (laughs) Meanwhile, somebody minding their own business got shot. I got worse stories, man. I hate this stuff. 55% of businesses closed on Yelp have shut down for good. During the coronavirus pandemic, July 22nd, another 15,742 businesses listed on Yelp closed forever in just the past month. And you know what? Many of these are centralized in big Democrat urban centers. So they walk around mocking and laughing at the at the suffering around them. But so long as they're in the capital, why care about the districts? This reminds me of the Hunger Games. Where I don't, you've probably seen it. If you haven't, there's all of these districts around the capital. The capital is wealthy and decadent, and as you move out, it becomes more and more impoverished. The closer there's district one, there's I think there's there's twelve districts. The main character is in the further away district, where they're like a coal mining town, and when she actually goes to the capital, and she's partying with the rich people, they're eating food and they're like, here, drink this, it'll make you vomit so you can eat more. They, these people did not understand the plight of the poor because they've not gone to these areas. They haven't witnessed it. So while they're sitting in their ivory towers going, can you believe what these people are saying about New York City? I haven't noticed any problems. Our infinity pool seems fully flush with water and our, lo- our delivery of out of season fruits and vegetables came from the delivery man just this morning. And then their friend goes, "Hmm, yes, I believe these people screaming down below must be incorrect. Now, I'll tell you what my problem is with the left today. I believe class issues are serious problems. I lean slightly left. And the reason for it is I do believe we can do better cooperatively to improve the standard of living. And I do believe wealth inequality is a problem because it can destabilize a country. However, I do believe in meritocracy. I just think I like the idea of helping people reach the point of opportunity if they, you know, and then it's pass or fail. If you can't succeed, I don't know what else we do for you. So I'm all about here's, here's the way to describe it. They say, if you feed a man a fish, you feed him for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for the rest of his life. So what if we put together a program to teach people to fish? We're not giving them the fish. We're saying, here's how you do it. Here's the fishing pole. Go do it. Now it's on you. That's why I lean left. I think we can do things like this. The problem is the modern left has adopted fringe racist ideology, and now you have your choice between conservatism and Trump or cult like racist dogma. And where do I find myself as a traditional liberal looking to New York and seeing them mock the plight of the poor? But, you know, what they've done it's been very clever. I love it. They've convinced many of these people that the multimillionaire black woman is 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 more oppressed than the impoverished homeless white person. Think about that. That's truly incredible. You know, I do think there's some merit to the general ideas of privilege. Of course, some people have a leg up and some people don't. If you're born rich, then you will have money to do what you want. But I think in many ways that could be a disadvantage too. But sure, there are privileges. Attractive people tend to get by easier than ugly people, taller people, you know, uh, fit people. Some of these things you can earn, some of these things you can't. Ultimately, you have to figure out how to navigate the system to survive. I believe that we can help teach people with proper checks and balances. We can have real social programs to maximize people's opportunities while minimizing this, you know, uh, like uh, dependence upon a system. I don't want to create a system where we just hand out fish all day. I want to create a system where we hand out fishing poles, sort of, sort of. Teach people to make their own fishing pole, I guess, right? Ultimately, though, we're not going to be able to solve this problem so long as the rich, snooty, liberal elites, the the well-to-do progressives who are pushing all of this mock and laugh as they walk around their wealthy neighborhoods. But you know what? I think it's by design. I'm reminded of this comic. It's very funny. It's a very fancy looking room and you see a man sitting at a desk There's people on there's a window, a big window. And on this side, you see the Occupy Wall Street protesters. One person's holding up a sign saying, you know, tax the rich, Occupy Wall Street. And the the man sitting at the desk on the phone says with a smirk, introduce them to identity politics. And there it is. The reason why this man in New York, let me show you this video. The reason why this guy is probably doing this, where he laughs and mocks the idea the city is suffering, is because he doesn't want you to change the system that's made him wealthy and powerful. He doesn't want you to come after the fact that he is benefiting from the collapse while you are suffering. So he wants to make sure that all of his tribalists just see this fictional picture of what's really going on. But what happens when you zoom out? When you zoom out, you see that across the city, lethal crime has been increasing. And people are suffering outside of these wealthy areas. You see the images where the wealthy are isolated, saying, don't let the peasants get wind of what's really going on. I believe Donald Trump really is upending that system. I believe he's a populist. And I think he's actively trying to increase the standard of living by bringing back manufacturing, helping people get jobs and helping minority communities. The left isn't doing that. They're pushing racist policies to defend their their wealth and privilege. And I'll tell you something, man means a lot. Donald Trump's Donald Donald Trump's net worth has been on the on the decline since he became president. He's losing money by being president. Yet they would accuse him of of not wanting to be president. Michael Moore claimed he only ran because Gwen Stefani was getting paid more money. Right now, there's this ridiculous narrative from Michael Cohen that Trump was just trying to do a branding deal and oops, he won the presidency. Trump registered Make America Great Again in 2012, four years before he actually got elected. Yet they would claim that it was all a big accident that on 20, you know, at the end of 2014, he was like, I got to figure out how to make money. It's lies. I think Trump's got serious character defects that hurt him very much so. But I think I am sick and tired of these snooty elites and they don't care about what's really happening in their city. They don't care that a dad was with his seven-year-old daughter when he got shot and killed in broad daylight. They don't care that happened. Because where they are in their wealthy, wealthy enclave, everything's fine. We're having big gay ice cream. I appreciate that some of those businesses are succeeding. And I love the idea that people can celebrate and have nice things, be it ice cream or, you know, the big gray, big gay ice cream shop. It it sounds nice. It sounds lovely. I don't mean to disparage any of those businesses or these neighborhoods, but I am critical of these liberal elites who mock the poor and actual marginalized communities who may be suffering because they're doing well. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all next time.